0: Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What
1: a beautiful throw by the Baker. Big job! baby! What's up, everybody? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are not going to waste a ton of time getting to this interview. We have Brandon Thorne on, who I think is one of the best at covering offensive line, defensive line play. He's uh, got a great trench warfare uh, thing going on right now where he does a newsletter with also articles that come directly to your email box. You should be doing this if you're a diehard football fan who cares about interior, offensive... And defensive line play he has a ton of great metrics that he's tracking too so you should be following brandon we will talk about where to follow him how to find his work with him in just a moment let's go ahead and get over to that interview right now with brandon thorne i continue to say when when breaking down nfl content there's not enough on the intricacies of offensive line defensive line play and and what they do to the outcome of games so I don't have many people on to talk about this stuff. I try to get Brandon. He's a busy guy. He's doing unbelievable work, uh, adding nuance to the stuff that I think the baseline stats don't tell the full story. So, Brandon, first, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me again. Of course. Of course, if you're not following Brandon, he's at Brandon Thorne NFL on Twitter. You need to rectify it because you can learn something pretty much every day because, you know, even some folks who played offensive line, defensive line, in their younger years or whatever, you don't get all of the nuances at a graduate school level, the way the NFL is. So talk Brandon first about your trench warfare newsletter. What like what you're trying to accomplish, because, you know, as especially I look at the, the statistics around sacks, you're doing such great work, breaking down the levels of difficulty with sacks to add nuance to who these players are, uh, Altogether, So I want to open the floor to you to tell folks what you're doing and, and tell them also where they can find your newsletter as well.
2: Yeah. So they can find my newsletter at trenchwarfare.substack.com. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I wanted to have an outlet that I could use as something to where I could just go on whatever topic I wanted to. And so far, you know, I'm, I think like seven months into it now. And you know, I'm just really enjoying it. i'm I'm looking forward to building it more. Um, but it's all based around offensive and defensive line play and just things I find interesting and valuable and trying to make that you know appealing to people and digestible and stuff like that. so um yeah, man, it's been good and you know this week i Uh, came out with a new pass rush glossary where I basically went through and just defined all the most basic rushes that you see in an NFL game. So there's, I think, 19 or 20 on there. Um, And yeah, so that's out there with video examples for each, sometimes several video examples for each. And I think that's, you know, kind of a nice way to or a nice resource, I think, for people to have, uh, you know, if they're consuming my work, or just want to learn more about the trenches to understand things better, um, like when I reference certain things. Um, So like the ghost technique, for instance, you know, not a lot of people know what that is. So I broke it down in detail, and showed people what it looks like from a few different guys, um, cross chop, you know, everything like that. So that's out. And then this week, I'm working on basically like advanced scouting reports and video. I call them pass rush libraries of basically the top pass rushers in the NFL. I I don't know how many I'm going to get to, but it's probably gonna be like 15 or 20 guys um, probably 15 and yeah, it's going to have videos uh, breaking down all of their best pass rush moves and what moves that they use. Um, And then my little advanced report is going to be kind of a snapshot of the player showing like best practices against them, like what offensive linemen had success and how they had success. Um, and you know, things like that, that'll help players out. Um, and then I also think people will enjoy to, you know, watch and read it as well, but it's honestly, it's, it's geared towards players consuming the content. Um, and, uh, that's what I'm trying to cater to as players, coaches and fans, you know, like hardcore fans, but, um, yeah, so it's fun, man. It's it's kind of my own little world, and I'm I'm enjoying it and I'm happy that people uh, like learning
1: about it too. It's it's I can't recommend it enough. He does some, you know, if you're depending on where you're at fiscally, he does three different tiers of membership, mm-hmm. monthly, annual, founding member, based on how much you want to know, based on how much content you want to have. So what's unique to me is I think when I'm looking at this stuff, Brandon, and and, and I really enjoy the, the, the metrics you put out, because I think pro football focus is trying to do some of these things. They've done some okay work on this stuff, but tell everybody a little bit about when you study defensive line playing. we'll talk O-line too, but we're going to start D-line and we're going to start Miles and, and, and Clowney and those guys. But when you're looking at metrics, you're looking at the difficulty and not all sacks are created the same. I think that's so important to understand that a sack where you go unblocked, is completely different than going up against Trent Williams and beating him one-on-one, right? So what you're trying to do is show folks, hey, maybe, and I love I love T.J. Watt, but maybe if his 16, 17 sacks, not all of them were quite as comparable to maybe Miles Garrett's 13 sacks. And I'm not trying to stir any of the pot there. I'm just saying like the nuance you're adding, explain that a little bit if you can to folks and what you're trying to get out of it.
2: Yeah. So uh, what I'm trying to do with the true sack rate is basically bring context to every sack. Um, And I did that well in season, I I did it for edge rushers. And then a couple of weeks ago, I just did it for all the interior rushers. Um, And I just think it's the way I look at it is it's another tool for people to use to determine who the best pass rushers are in a given season. And then we'll see uh, over years, if it, has more value than that uh, when there's more data. But for now, I think it's uh, just a really good tool um, because when I looked at the results of it, they matched up with the tape in terms of how I would rank the guys a lot of the time. Not all the time, but a lot of the time. Like for Watt, for instance, TJ Watt, you know, he had a ton of pressures as well, which this doesn't consider. You know, So that's why I say it's a tool. It's not like the end-all be-all to determine who had the best season uh, as a pass rusher but, you know, because it doesn't include pressures, quarterback hits, hurries, stuff like that. Um, so that's one, you know, kind of blind spot of the metric, but I'm not, you know, it's fine. Cause that's not what I'm going for anyway. I just want to bring context to sacks and then provide people another tool to judge the pass rushers. Um, and I think it's done that. Uh, and, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, we can go into certain players, you know, but that's kind of, that's it in a nutshell, the essence of it.
1: Yeah. Because pressure, all of that, it's just, there's, there's little layers to looking at this thing where it's like, yeah, I don't know, I think it gets missed that you could have a three-sack game against a backup left tackle stepping in for a game, but if you have a sack and two pressures or whatever against an elite tackle, it's a different outcome, and I think sometimes yeah. that sort of thing can get lost in translation, so it's a really great... Uh, piece of piece of data that if you're if you're really into O-line D-line play and looking at this stuff and obviously Brandon's is ranking his offensive lineman and determining the skill at which an edge player is going up against a lineman and you know using outcomes based on that so it's it's just you you want someone who studies this stuff all the time I think it's extremely valuable and not just studies it to, to 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 just baseline watch film but like learning techniques and then giving you guys information on those technique techniques and it's both sides so we talk miles uh and it, i i guess what i'm c- curious is he's gotten his contract he's done some great things is is he in it's hard to say it's subjective some people like a certain type of player more but he is he in the elite of the elite tier at the edge rush position now or is he i mean i guess how high do you have him
2: Yeah. uh, He's either one or two for me um, really right now, you know, with Vaughn dinged up and older, you know, we'll see how Hunter comes back. Um, You know, I I would hear a conversation for, you know, Khalil Mack for sure. Um, To me, it's like Khalil Mack, Miles Garrett, Joey Bosa. Like that's the three for me um, that I would go there and then probably TJ Watt four. And then at five, it's where it gets super interesting. I just tweeted this out actually. Um, But yeah, it gets, it's, it just gets very interesting and very cloudy there. Um, There, I mean, the, the edge rusher position is just stacked. I mean, there are, you know, if everybody's healthy, there's like legit, like six, seven guys who are really elite. And that's probably like the most at any position in the NFL, if not up there with any of them. So, you know, I, but I see it as like those three guys, you know, and, and, miles is, I think he has probably the most natural ability of any pass rusher in the NFL. And then he, on top of it, he's very skilled. He, he can set up his moves very well. He's a nuanced rusher. He understands how to utilize stutters and hesitations to set things up. Um, he has, he can win outside with the cross chop, a speed rip. He can go inside, you know, with the swim, he can even spin. I, you know, I think I've seen that uh, here and there, but that's not a, you know, a major part of his game. He's mainly a power rusher. You know, he's going to test a guy's anchor and see if he can run through him. If he can, it's going to be a long day. If not, he's going to set you up inside and then go outside. And he's going to go outside with the speed and the bend of like a Von Miller. Only he's 275 pounds. Um, so yeah, he, he's he's a problem man, and he's only 25 uh, he's like the youngest guy out of all these guys we're talking about. So, you know, he's, he's just a total freak.
1: It's nice to get confirmation on some of the things that we see. And, and, you know, I fear sometimes that we get a little too Homer on that stuff, but yeah, he's special. And and, and he can be a, a guy who, when we watch you then compare him to other people and it's like, you get used to this regular miles Garrett stuff and everything else just seems sort of bland. And it's, it can be, uh, it can be hard in that nature. Sometimes the, the, the other two I'm interested in is Clowney and and Tack McKinley. I think Clowney is obviously not a great bend guy. I I think that that is something that has eluded him at least when I was watching the last two years is he's probably not going to win that way. Not the way miles can bend and turn a corner. Now, again, you're, you're basing it on miles. That's a bit different, but I think he seems to win different ways. He seems to win inside. He seems to win with power, and I think that's why he's especially tough on guards because of that length, power combo. Where are you on his fit in Cleveland? And then, you know, at the end, kind of tell me what you think of, of Tack because he's a bit of a wild card for this front.
2: This yeah, Clowney's a guy I've really loved in his career because he's kind of a like jack-of-all-trades defensive piece. Um, and that's how he was used in Houston. The last two seasons though, have been, you know, kind of disappointing, um, you know, in Seattle, he had a couple of great moments, um, where he looked like, you know, kind of the Houston version, but, um, you know, so we'll see. Cause he came into the league with, I think, microfracture surgery on a knee. Uh, he's had a torn ACL on top of that. So his body is a little bit more worn down than most at his age. And I think that's something that gets lost um, in just describing him. So I was always kind of worried about that. I wrote a piece on him when he was a rookie and, you know, um, mentioned that, you know, that's kind of a concern, his longevity. So I wonder if that's a big piece of kind of this recent decline. I don't know if he's going to be able to just all of a sudden be the Houston guy again. But, you know, assuming that happens, uh, he's a guy who can win pretty much anywhere at any alignment. And that's what makes him, you know, a special player. If he has all the juice, you know, I don't know if he still has that in terms of explosiveness. But um, yeah, he's just a very, very explosive dude, you know, twitchy, very sudden. And that's how he gets people. Um, he sets them up and wins inside a lot, like you said. And he has pretty good power, but he, he's a guy who makes probably more plays versus the run than the pass, um, and, yeah, unless he's rushing over a guard or their center, um, which, you know, we'll see if he's doing all that in in Cleveland. But um, he's just a really fun player to watch, man. I mean, he he's kind of hard to peg down. Uh, I think a lot of people, you know, just with the expectations coming in, and everything, he wasn't that. He's not like a guy like Khalil Mack or Joey Bosa or something like that who could just stay, stay on the edge and win one-on-one at a high level against any tackle. He That's not his game. So he's just a different kind of player. But I really like him. Um, and then Tack McKinley is just pure power and speed, I mean, off the edge. He, he's most effective as a wide nine, just um, charging the edge and or running down the middle of a guy. He, he's violent, physical. Um, he, he's pretty raw. He, you know, there's not a lot of, like, skill that I see to his game necessarily, but he's, he's a big, explosive, powerful guy. Um, so we'll see. He's, you know, a nice guy to have in part of, as part of the rotation, I think.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash blue wire. Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
1: We'll, we'll shift. O O line now. Um, I think you were high on Bill Callahan. I, I would imagine that that reputation didn't go anywhere last year. I just curious your thoughts on, on how he handled the Browns in his first season and especially how they looked in the collective. Because I thought, this is just me, I know you've watched all of Cleveland's games by now. I thought they started out really wanting to be a wide zone team, and they are, that's their base. But man, they they started to notice, hey, we have these two ridiculously talented guards and we need to gap scheme some te- some teams to death, and they really transitioned to what I thought was a deadly two two prong approach by the end of the year.
2: Oh yeah, you know nothing surprising at all, really. Um, with you know just knowing Bill Callahan's background and just the amount of success he's had designing run games over the course of his career, um, you know when you match that with the talent that Cleveland has. Uh, you know, or at least that they had coming in. And then I feel like him and Scott Peters assistant o- line coach were just able to really develop them and really get them to gel quickly, uh, you, you know, with a diverse run scheme, like you mentioned, I mean, you, you pretty much laid it out and I agree, uh, you know, with all of it, he's, you know, probably the best offensive line coach in the NFL right now since Skarniecki has gone and he's been one of the two or three best for a long time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, with, When you have, you know, that with the talent, it's, you know, this is what we're going to have. And I'd be shocked if we didn't see another, you know, very highly, you know, or very high performing unit this season. They're probably going to go into the year like, you know, as a top three or five unit for me when I do those rankings as well.
1: What do you think of Jed Wills rookie year? Did you get a chance to spend a lot of time on him?
2: pretty good amount of time. And, you know, I really liked it. Um, you know, he came into a very deep class, uh, or at least at the top, you know, so he's constantly going to be compared to, you know, Becton and Thomas and Worfs. And, you know, he, he wasn't worse last year, but I think part of that was Tom Brady as well. Uh, you know, just pass blocking for Tom Brady is different than pass blocking for anybody. Um, but at the same time, Tristan worse is, I think special at the same time. So, you know, he, he wasn't quite as consistent as Wirfs was which for a lot of different reasons, um, but I thought that overall he was he was good, and I just expect him to build on it. Um, you know, just stuff in pass protection, a little inconsistent, you know, with strike timing and timing things up and getting to his spot and just little nuances of angles and timing and adjusting based on alignment, adjusting based on the, the opponent you know, it just, he was asked to do a lot. Um, you saw a lot of special things from him. I think the power translated, I think the athleticism for his size and physicality is really impressive. Um, some of those vertical sets that he was hitting on key third down, money down type situations, he was mixing those in very, very well. That's a savvy type of veteran thing to see on tape. Um, so yeah you know i liked a lot of what i saw from him and you know i'm just expecting it to build especially next to batonio under callahan there's no reason to believe he's not going to be very good next
1: year it's kind of a weird question but a lot of the discussion around jed switching to the right side to left side was about how we'd handle pass pro you know he's a right tackle his entire life and then you know in a short weird offseason with no train no real training camp that matters and no preseason, he's got to figure out how to play left tackle. I think, I think it might've had a bigger impact on how he handled run game. Uh, do, do you think that that was a little bit of, cause you know, you're going the other sides, different steps. You're trying to learn wide zone. It's different parts of your body you're trying to block with. Do you think that run game stuff gets better or am I crazy in that thought?
2: No, I think you're right. Uh, yeah, for sure. I, I, you know, just like you said, that's a key part of it as well. You know, switching sides, you know, Worf's got to stay on the same side um, Beckton as well, you know, so that's, that's part of it. Um, I think that's really a, a key, you know, point in his development and just what he was on tape last year. Uh, so yeah, I would expect that to, you know, be a part of his improvement as well. Just, you know, getting more time at that position and just, you know, learning your body more and what you can and can't do and how you have to adjust and things like that, I think are, is, is going to be really important.
1: Yeah, so repetition-based, and, and right. he, needs, he needs as many of those as he can get. Um, two, two more guys specifically I want to ask you about. White Teller, great season emerged, all of it. Just your thoughts on him and, and kind of, I guess, a tougher question, which is do you think the Browns need to invest invest in him long-term? It's a big decision looming there.
2: I would like to see another season before I had to make that decision uh, just because, you know, he's had literally one year as a full-time starter. Um You know, and he he got hurt as well, but still he, you know, played the majority of the year. Um, So I I would definitely want to see another one. But based strictly on one season and just what he was last year relative to other guards in the NFL, I thought he was, you know, probably the best guard in the NFL when he was healthy, Um, which is crazy to say for a guy, um, you know, who kind of just came out of nowhere. Not really came out of nowhere because I thought he actually showed a lot the prior year in Mm -hmm. more limited time. Um, but still I wasn't expecting, you know, the dominant level that he played at last year where just his size and his power, um, and his ability to, you know, deliver force, you know, on people on contact and just understanding leverage and stuff was just special. You know, he was just, you straight up dominant. Um, there's nothing else to really, I think it was just really (laughs) obvious, you know? Um, so Yeah, that's how I felt about him last season. But in in terms of long term, you know, you always want to see it again, um, you know, just so you know that it's sustainable.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out of the gate hot that they don't make that deal. If they try to uh, in season make something happen there, he's. He's yeah. a rare ble- uh, a blend of, of speed and power that is yeah. uh, that's dangerous. Last guy's James Hudson. I, I don't know how much time you spent on him pre-draft. Just wanted to get your opinion on him. Kind of a surprise pick. We thought the Browns might take somebody a little later on, and if they did, we thought it might be interior-based. Do you see Hudson with a little bit of guard in his game, or is he a, a, a more Chris Hubbard swing tackle with sort of a lotto ticket potential down-the-line starter uh, the outlook there?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I I thought that him playing guard wouldn't be a bad idea. Like, you know, after I'm not huge on testing for offensive linemen in terms of, you know, the combine and pro day stuff or pro day stuff last year, but it was kind of a a little bit of a red flag for tackle. Um, so that just, I think is part of it what, what is what makes it interesting. Um, but you know, I think he plays faster on tape than he tested, Uh, In terms of how he moves, he's a very fluid mover. Um, So, you know, I think that's interesting at guard. Uh, The thing is he has to get a whole lot stronger uh, before I think he's going to be able to play. Um, And he's very raw in his technique as well. So he's just like a moldable piece of clay with a lot of talent, you know, in terms of how he moves that I think is a nice guy to add and, you know, where they did and, you know, just get it in a great, you know, under a great coaching staff in a great offensive line room and just see what you have in two or three years. That, that's kind of how I think ideally it would play out. Um, I think if he gets put in the lineup too early, it, it could get ugly, but you know, again, when he's in that scheme and under that coaching staff, you know, I think his track of development is going to be sped up a little bit, you know, as, as opposed to if he went pretty much almost anywhere else, just because he's in such a great situation. So maybe it's one or two years instead of two or three years, you know, so that's, that's kind of how I'm viewing it.
1: Yeah. It was cool too, to, see him at rookie camp, get all that one-on-one time. I mean, the only O-lineman at rookie camp getting time with Peters and Callahan, and that'll only help. So um, this is great, Brandon. I, I really appreciate it, man. I, I cannot urge you guys strongly enough to follow him on Twitter and go subscribe to his trench warfare content because you won't quite find anything else like it on the internet. Again, man, we appreciate you.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks
1: for having me. Okay, thanks for joining us today, Browns fans. I appreciate your time, and I hope you learned something. I think Brandon has a lot of valuable insights for offensive and defensive line play, especially his little nuggets on Miles and uh, Jadeveon and so on and so forth. It's a great interview. Make sure you're following him. Reminder, the OBR is going to Twitch in the link to this podcast, as has been the case for the last few podcasts There is a direct way to go to that channel and click the subscribe button. We're going to have such great content on there. We've talked about our pre- and post-game shows we'll be doing through the OBR, as well as our roundtable we'll be doing throughout the week. More information to come. I uh, look forward to hopefully you guys joining us. I think it'll be a ton of fun, uh, especially to enhance your Browns uh, game day and game week experience with so much content. And maybe a little video games mixed in there too, like Madden having some fun with those guys on the digital platform. So, uh, again, thanks for spreading the word about this podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to us. So you can automatically get it, download it every day because we're going to keep posting these things every day. It's going to be even better in season. I appreciate your time. Have a great, great Thursday, and go Browns.